0: Welcome to Friars on the Farm podcast. My name is Donovan Jones, and I'm joined as usual with Roy.
1: Hi, are are you, what, what, where is Donovan and what have you done with him?
0: Well, um, I I decided that, well, there's a lot going on. There is a ton to talk about. And um, if I were to um, match what I feel inside with my normal voice, um, you would be, uh, you wouldn't, I would be unintelligible. Have you
1: invoked your inner David Attenborough here?
0: I have invoked my, this is my, I'm gonna keep calm and just keep podcasting. Um, I'm not going to be screaming and yelling and overly excited. Um, I'm going to be remain calm and uh, keep podcasting. I'll say it again. All
1: right. Well, we'll see how long this lasts.
0: So we have an incredible... <laughs> incre- right. We have an incredible... Uh, Uh, episode for you uh, today. Uh, There's been a lot of movement. uh, Some of that hot lava talent is starting to ooze up to the surface. Oh, yes. Very exciting. Uh, We also have Baseball America's Kyle Glazer coming on. Our first big guest. Our big... Dylan Sin was a good get, but... Yes, um, not
1: to knock Dylan Sin, but this is a national writer.
0: Yeah, certainly... That was
1: a hell of a get for you, Donovan. I'm impressed.
0: Yes, I want to thank James Clark and the guys over at EB2 News that helped me uh, uh, facilitate that interview. So thank you, James games. Um, but let's start with batting leadoff and with batting leadoff we had the Northwest All-Star Game uh, and Henry Henry started the game for the second time in a row um, they played against the Pioneer League All Stars. It was H2's second consecutive start. Uh, he gave up two earned runs, four hits in just an inning. Not not the best outing, but it was okay. Shortstop Owen Miller went one for four with uh, two RBIs. Olivier Basabe went over three with an RBI, and Jordan Guerrero gave up his first run in the well. He had uh, he has not given up a run with the Tri-City Dust Devils until the All-Star Game, where he got a guy on base and was responsible for that runner, and then the pitcher that came after him allowed him to score. So mm, the inherited um, runner, the inherited runner. And and is, um, let me tell you a quick story about um, me talking like this. Is like I have I walk funny, and uh, I just have my whole life. I have hip dysplasia. I don't know if it has the reason why I walk funny, but if you ever see me, folks, I walk like a drunk gorilla and i've had a lot of physical therapy on how to uh kind of fix my my gait my walk um and when i do walk like my physical therapist has me i uh, i look normal to me it's like weird i feel funky it feels awkward but if you see video of me or you see me walking like wow he walks like a human being um talking like this is very much that same feeling (laughs) It is really weird. Um, this is uh, the best I can do, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. And I'm trying not to laugh, but um, you guys, the the talent is flowing. It, it, it is.
1: We're allowed to get excited about some of these things. I mean, come on. You can be animated at times.
0: But if I'm over-animated, then it just gets a little silly.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> do you want to start? Well,
1: so I'm going to go ahead and skip ahead a little bit because yeah. you, uh, you just covered the All-Star game, and immediately after the All-Star game, Olivier Basabe, and Owen Miller both got called up to Fort Wayne Absolutely. so that's fantastic news for both of them that kind of is a testament to the good first half of the short season that they yeah. just had yeah. and in tonight's game I saw that Basabe had an RBI double Owen Miller already hit a home run Yep. so I pushed the guys and then they're not intimidated by going up to that level I, I love it I love yeah, it.
0: And that Owen Miller home run was a two run shot that uh, gave him a lead. Nice. So um, they still a leverage situation, some clutch hitting. Absolutely. Rising to the occasion. And with that, uh, the ACL guys, uh, Xavier uh, Edwards and Tusa Peter Marcano, replaced them in Tri-Cities.
1: Now, that's not for sure, right? That's Dennis Lynn is guessing that those will be the guys that backfill those spots?
0: They were guessing. They were not in the lineup in the, uh, pardon me, yes, they are guessing. We, I haven't seen anything tweeted today, but I'm pretty sure that's what's going to happen. I mean, it just, it, it stands to reason that you want to keep a double play team uh, intact as they move up. Sure. And both I of them s- definitely deserve to come up. I saw it tweet
1: about uh, about Xavier Edwards that he has more I can't remember what all the stats were but they were comparing to his strikeouts I think he has more walks stolen bases runs scored and RBIs or something like that than he has strikeouts Strikeouts. so far this year It's, it's
0: remarkable it is incredible um also tweeted last night from AJ Casaville or AJ Casanova um, <laughs> tweeted uh, the, you know the Padres plan to promote right-hander Jacob Nix and he's scheduled to start Friday.
1: Yeah, congratulations Jacob Nix. Tonight we're watching Brett Brett Kennedy make his debut. Yesterday we saw Trey Wingenter
0: make his debut. He's on the mound right now.
1: Oh yeah, how about that? And then tomorrow or uh, Friday Jacob Nix is lined up to start against the Phillies.
0: Absolutely. So definitely with, with the hot love of talent in that second- or whatever you want to call it, it's pitching. And, and I think most of our talent is pitching coming up. Um, well,
1: and that's the weakness of the roster right now. Yeah. You've got a major league roster. Here's our major league minute, I guess, that you got a major league roster. You've got a bunch of talented guys that can hit, that have shown some ability. Mm-hmm. They haven't quite all put it together. But you look at that lineup of Margot, Renfro, Hedges. Um, I mean, obviously, Hosmer and Will Myers.
0: And Suahe. Fran
1: Mill's been hitting well. Yeah. Christian Villanueva shows promise. So if the lineup could, could put it together, you've got an offense. But now you need a pitching staff that can deliver. So now you're starting to see opportunities for these guys thanks to the release of Tyson Ross and, well, the waiver claim of yeah. Tyson Ross and Jordan Lyles. Yep. Makes me wonder who else, who might be next because they do need to make a spot for Knicks on the active
0: roster. They do. Well, and, and thinking of that, um, you know, with with, with Trey Wending I I really thought he would, uh, like, I wanted him to start that first game. We had a big lead. I'm like, yes, throw him in. Get him, uh, you know, get him his debut. But I was thinking about it. It took a day or two for his family to show up. Uh-huh. And so you want, you know, I, I can appreciate and respect the Padres. Probably, I don't know if this is a fact or not, but, you know, hey, I'm going to be called up. He was there the same day.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Um, I was wondering if maybe um, – if they wanted to give him a couple of days to acclimate yeah. to the clubhouse, yeah. to how they prepare before a game, yeah. so he can get his routine going. Uh, when Lucchese came up and made his first start, that was one thing that I saw, that he's very routine-driven. He's yeah. got a whole pregame routine that goes hours before his start. And for that first start, he was thrown off of his rhythm because he didn't have the same equipment, He didn't. It's and he got flustered by the whole thing. Yeah. So maybe you give a guy a couple days to get in the rhythm of the game day rituals so then he could be prepared. Now, obviously, today, he stumbled out of the gates. He had, what was that, six
0: earned runs in the first inning? Back-to-back-to-back to back to back home runs. Yeah. And Trey just brushed off Yelich off the plate. And last night, uh, he pitched the ninth inning. and uh, This is Winginter you're talking about. Yeah, Winginter. Uh, Kyle, uh, sorry, Kyle. <laughs> Um, Christian Yelich was his first major league strikeout, which mm-hmm. is a, which is a good get because Christian is a huge, is is a, is a solid major league. I player. think
1: he's leading the league in batting average right now. Uh, really? I, th- I think I saw that.
0: Okay, well let's move on. Um, <clears throat> with all those promotions, people came up. Travis Ratke was brought up from from Fort Wayne all the way up to Double A, so he skipped uh, Lake Elsinore, went right to Double A. Good for him. Pitched three solid innings in his debut in Double A. So that's really good to see him come up at 24. He's age appropriate in in Double A. Yes, um, he was a little. You know, we kept saying they kept calling him like the grandpa, or like the dad. He was kind of like the dad in Fort Wayne with all those teenagers. Um, but he did really well, and then with Logan Allen and Cal Quantrill being promoted. To El Paso.
1: Now, I didn't see that Logan Allen had been promoted.
0: That's a total... Uh, that's me calling Lance, Lance, Lance uh, Nix. Jacob Nix, Lance Nix. Okay. Um, That was probably me just wishful thinking. Okay. Uh, admitted to be Jacob Nix. Uh, but with well, Cal, he had his... Uh, triple a AAA debut last night he had a pretty good showing he gave up two runs and six innings on seven hits um i cut the last inning of that game and uh he still has a lot of work to do i mean he did really well last night and, and good for him but i you know i just saw just with the couple at bats he gets two quick strikes two quick strikes and then fails to to put people away mm-hmm. and that's when he gets in trouble but you know he two innings and six you know two runs and six innings that's pretty good
1: so now uh, just thinking off the top of my head i i wonder if so he's been in double a all season yeah. and this has been a consistent roadblock for him yeah that he gets to that point and he just can't finish guys off so he's had all this year to work with a pitching coach in double a i'm not sure who that is i know it's not Bert hooten he's in no. he's in he's in fort wayne in fort wayne um but for whatever reason he hasn't been able to break through that barrier so maybe coming to triple a and working with the pitching coach there he could find it's it. not glendon rush is
0: it no glendon rush is it could be
1: Anyway, whoever the pitching coach is in AAA, maybe he's got some different different methods, some different kind of mental whatever to right. to come up with to to get past that. Or it it might be the the pitches that Austin Allen was calling behind the plate that for whatever reason the sequencing wasn't quite working for him. So now you bring him up and you match him up with Mejia or Rafi Lopez, who has a bunch of MLB experience. Uh,
0: Brett Ken- uh, not Brett Kennedy, it's the other Kennedy. Uh, AJ Kennedy. AJ Kennedy.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I don't know if AJ. I don't even know where AJ Kennedy is. Right right now. It's been Mejia and Lopez getting all the starts Um, since Mejia was brought on board. But anyway. Moving along. Yeah, it's not getting lost in the weeds. Um, Quantrill did have a good debut. And And I could see a scenario where if Quantrill rattles off a handful of nice starts, they might call him up at the end of September. Yeah. So because Lucchese and Lauer were in that same draft with him, and all three of those guys were flagged early on as potential early risers, Quantrill had the health concerns because he was recovering from Tommy John, but he was supposed to be a more advanced pitcher as far as the sequence and the command and all that other stuff.
0: Right, and the stuff.
1: And the stuff, yes but talking about stuff I mean that's what Jacob Nix and that the the question with him has always been is he gonna put the stuff together the consistency of getting through a road a lineup a couple times because he's got the power high 90s fastball yeah. he's got that 12 to 6 hook that curveballs yeah. filthy that he's got yeah so he has the makings of a front-end starter of a of a number one or a number two yeah maybe not an ace with a capital a like like Gore but one of the guys you're gonna see at the front end of rotation
0: absolutely maybe one We'll have Kyle talk a little bit about that in the in the interview.
1: Yes, <laughs> a little foreshadowing here. A little foreshadowing.
0: Um- well, and, and, you know, speaking of Austin Allen, he hit his 21st. Before I got over here, a couple things. Before I got over here, he hit his 21st home run. Yes. Um, he hit 22 last year in Lake Elsinore. So there's over a month left still in the season, and he's already hit 21 home runs. So he's more than likely going to eclipse his totals.
1: And the Midwest League, there there aren't launch pads in the Midwest League like there are in the California League.
0: I, well, a,
1: it's it's more of a pitcher's league than the California League. That's Yes, what you're talking about Texas
0: League, right? Yes. A, yeah. Yeah.
1: That's, I said Midwest, yeah, Texas yeah. League, yeah.
0: Um, also, and just before we got here, we got here a little early, and we we're listening to the Darren Smith show, and AJ Prella was on there. Oh, and I need to uh,
1: listen to that. You
0: do need to listen to it because he he uh, we won't talk about the Mitchell stuff because it was really good, and he really pressed him hard on um, on what he wanted to do with Mitchell. But you know, he was pressed on: Are we going to see Luis Urias? Are we going to who else is coming up, and who else can we see? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and if I can remember correctly, uh, he uh, we should probably see more pitching definitely see more pitching um and I'll just say this with Darren Smith said so if I go up to El Paso next week will I uh you know will I see will Luis Urias be there and you know Preller kind of like kind of chuckled and uh said well you're more than likely if you go there next week he'll be in El Paso okay so I think that probably going to be September 1 Mm -hmm. just to kind of there's a lot of roster stuff in the big league club that they got to do that has to make room for all these guys but I think we're definitely going to see him. Good. And I think it wouldn't be, like you said, a couple of good starts in AAA. Let's get him up there. Let's, let's push Cal Quantrill and see what he can do up here in the major league level. Because mm-hmm. it's got to be better than what we have now. And it has to be better than you know going into next season. You'll have these guys fighting for roster spots. And they'll have that nervousness of being in the big leagues over with, and have that taste, and it won't be so awestruck, you know. Like we mm-hmm. saw the, like Eric Lauer's first start, as, as, as horrible conditions as it was in Colorado for him, it was still his first start. So you tack on a ton of nerves in your major league debut, and um, you throw in some weather there, you're going to have a bad night, oh, which yes. happened. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with Lucchese. I think Lucchese's first start wasn't wasn't so great. It was shaky.
1: It, it wasn't disastrous, it, but right. it was clear that he he was off his game yeah. that first start.
0: We were there. And, and he,
1: Kennedy today. Yeah. And right off the bat it was it was ugly. And then he settled in after that. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if it was getting the nerves and the adrenaline out. So calling up somebody like Urias, there was a good, I had a good back and forth with John Gennaro this morning on Twitter about, I listened to the Make the Padres Great Again, and he was talking about that it would behoove the Padres to hold Urias back until after the Super 2 deadline next year to play the arbitration clock game and all that stuff. But I'm of this I, I think if if he if they think that he can handle being in the major leagues right now, bring him up and let him start making these adjustments. Because for a hitter, there's several back and forth adjustments that happen. You you have to adjust to the level. And then once you've been out there and with the video that these guys have yeah. and they make a book on you real quick. You've got six, eight, ten at-bats and they have an idea of what your approach is so now the advanced scouts, they'll put together a book on a hitter yeah. and so then now the league adjusts to the hitter. Now the hitter has to figure out, okay, now what what did they change that they're trying to get me out? How am I going to adjust back to that? That takes months. To balance yeah. out. Yeah. So if he can get a couple months under his belt this year and he can get some chemistry with the guys in the clubhouse or whatever and then they can come in through spring training next year, maybe the, the team will have a better chance of hitting the ground running since they'll have all those moving parts all together. Rather than going a couple months into it with a and Spangenberg at second base and then you throw Urias in. Kind of rocks the boat a little
0: bit. Absolutely. And and you know here's a here's an argument for bringing him up before September 1. Because Renfro came up intercept after you know, their playoff run in El Paso, and everyone else brought up their pitching. So mm-hmm. he hit what, like seven home runs, and hit like 300, and we were like, here we go. Here's Christian the, Villanueva did the same thing last year. Here's the here's the, we didn't think he'd do this, but he was seeing, well, they guys coming up and getting their touch, mm-hmm. you know, and, and other pitches that other teams were getting to take a look at, so we get like a false positive or a false read on how well he did when he came back the next season, he's mm-hmm. Um Get these guys up before you know, with the true 25 five man roster and you get to see you get to see everyone that's on the major league roster that's a good point In, instead of instead of you know the 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 bullpen guy that they're going to throw out there because uh, you know they're out of it and we're out of it and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Yeah. How am I doing so far? Am I talking normal now?
1: <laughs> You're doing great. I think you found kind of an equilibrium there.
0: <laughs> Libby calls this we're, my creepy voice. Libby you
1: you were reserved, but I could feel there's the passion is still seeping through.
0: When I when I when I talk like this to her, she goes, "Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> this is my serial killer voice."
1: Uh, yeah, I kind of do. So, I think we've run down a little intro here. Is it time for us to introduce yeah, this, our guests?
0: Let's let's bring on Kyle Glazer.
1: All right, so Kyle Glazer from Baseball America.
0: Baseball America just came out with their midseason season top 100 rankings. And after acquiring the Cleveland Indians top prospect Francisco Mejia in the Brad Hand Adam Simber trade, the Padres now have 10 players in the top 10 list. And right now we are privileged to be joined by with Kyle Glazer from Baseball America. Kyle, how's it going?
2: Good, good. Glad to be on with you guys.
0: Uh, Fantastic. We really appreciate you taking the time and uh, coming on Friars on the Farm. Um, How was your, real quick, how was your um, Hall of Fame experience?
2: I'm sorry, is that one more time?
0: How was your Hall of Fame experience?
2: Oh, it was fantastic. Uh, Going up to Cooperstown and being there, uh, it was the second largest crowd ever brought in for a Hall of Fame uh, induction ceremony, and I got to say Padres fans showed up. I'd say they were definitely the most represented fan base uh, for Hoffman. You know, Chipper Jones gave a great speech, Jim Tomei, you know, all these guys, it was just such an incredible class. And you saw just kind of this love and pure, uh, pure joy for the game of baseball and the greats that I think sometimes when we get caught up discussing prospects and who's better and who's not and frustration with the current major league team, you kind of almost (laughs) forget the pure, uh, the, the joy of the game and the love of it and the history of it. And, uh, Getting up to Cooperstown with with that class and, and that much you know love that was, was uh, shown by all the all the crowd uh, and the fans coming from all over the country, and in some cases uh, from Canada as well for Vlad. Uh, yeah, it was a very very uh, special experience and, and one of the highlights of my professional career.
0: Yeah, we, we I caught a couple of the Montreal Expo Vladdy jerseys out there, and uh, we were there. Me and my wife were there also. It was a great time. But um, Brett Kennedy and Trey Wingenter are making their ma- major league debuts for the Padres this week. What can you tell us about uh, to our listeners about uh, about either two of those prospects?
2: Trey Wingenter was in our Padres top thirty prospects before the year, which you know it's rare for a reliever to crack a really good system's top thirty, and it's a testament to Wingenter. You know, six foot nine, huge human being. He uh, took a while to grow into his velocity, but he uh, he touched a hundred for the first time last year. You look, big six foot nine guy coming at you downhill, 96 98, touch 100. His slider has really progressed the last two years. Uh, people were obviously very, very excited about Andres Munoz, another hard throwing reliever in the Padres system. But given Munoz's uh, health track record and some of his control issues, uh, there's a very strong argument to be made that Wingenter, not Munoz, is the best relief prospect in the Padre system. And now he's up in the majors. We'll see uh, how he does. I mean, there's always an adjustment period, but he's got the stuff. He's got uh, certainly got the height and the intimidation factor down. So I expect him to eventually grow into a pretty solid seventh, maybe even eighth inning role for the Padres here in the next couple of years. Nice. And, uh, and how
1: about uh, how about Brett Kennedy?
2: Yeah. So Kennedy's interesting. Um, this is someone who's always been on the surface, just kind of a an eh guy and you know, an organizational arm. But he's kept climbing, he's kept getting outs, and despite all, you know, skepticism, got himself to the majors. Um, it's a fastball that's low 90s, uh, it's 90 to 90, he'll get to a 93 on a good day. There's other days it's 89 to 91, touch a 92. Um, you know, he moves it up and down and in and out. He really changed his eye levels well. He's uh, changed up in his slider. He's. It's always been a very fastball heavy load with him. He's... Increase the uses of his changeup in his slider, mixing his pitches better. You know, neither pitch really grades as a, as a filthy out pitch. But you know what? I mean, again, there's something to be said for the guy. Just keeps getting it done at every level. Um, you know, there's still an expectation, just as we saw last year, like Kyle Lloyd came up and made his big league debut, and yeah. that was kind of it for him. That There's still a Sense that that might end up being Brett Kennedy's fate, a guy who comes up, makes a spot starter or two, and, and spends the rest of his days in Triple A. But you know what? He, he, again, you know, in El Paso, where you can't get, you can't give up a home run, you can't give up, can't make mistakes, or else you'll get, you know, torched for, uh, for some long balls. Right. Keeps the ball on the ground, changes eye levels, like does all the little things right, and you know what? He's earned this shot.
0: Absolutely. You know, your description of him.
1: It makes me think of Bartolo Cologne, a guy that goes out there and just pumps fastballs. There's nothing electric about it, but the command and the location is what's making him viable still.
2: Uh, I mean, we do have to keep in mind that Cologne had real stuff for a very long time, and so he was able to kind of learn the nuances of hitters. He had a few years where he did have electric stuff back when he was a Cy Young Award winner. Uh, and able to learn the nuances of hitters. We see a lot of guys come up who are kind of touch-and-feel right-handers, that 89-91 range, and if that's what they start with, there's they start their careers with, it doesn't always last a long time. But there's always exceptions. And, again, uh, all I can say about Brett Kennedy is, look, he didn't crack the top 30 of the Potters' preseason list. No one, I mean, no one internally or externally pushed for it. You know, even with his success this year, you heard a lot of hemming and hawing about, yeah. I don't know if it's going to work up there. But again, he's deserved this, and if he goes out and takes it, it, performs well, that would be right in line with what he's done the rest of his career.
0: Fantastic, uh, Francisco Mejia is an exciting player for the Padres to add into the mix. What does this say about? Uh, what does this mean for Austin Allen?
2: Well, so it's it's different, right? Because Austin Allen, look, the dude can hit. The dude has mm-hmm. always been able to hit. It was apparent last year uh, that it's a very, very real bat. But even all that said, there was never a sense that he's going to be a good enough catcher to catch every day. It would be kind of a, you know, play some catcher, play some first base, maybe go, you know, DH when they're in an American League park. The role for Austin Allen, remember what Hector Sanchez did for the Padres a couple years ago? Absolutely. Power left-handed bat, power left-handed bat off the bench. Again, that little bit of catch, a little bit of first base, a little bit of DH when it's an interleague game. That's kind of the expectation for an Austin Allen. So Francisco Mejia's acquisition as a potential everyday catcher doesn't really change a whole lot for Austin Allen. Austin Allen was always going to be that versatile backup slash third catcher, first base DH type.
0: Okay, so we're not expecting him. Well, Padres fans are really expecting him to come up and be Salvador Perez. But really what we're looking for is a solid backup with a power bat. yeah?
2: Yeah, I mean Salvador Perez is an elite receiver. No one has ever said that about Austin, Austin Allen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's improved and he's got a thirty-six percent throwout rate right now. In, uh, in and well, Antonio. well,
2: he's improved his he's improved his his caught stealing rate. There's no question, but receiving, you know, the ability to block balls in the dirt that's that's never been something that's considered everyday caliber.
0: Absolutely, uh, Mackenzie Gore has had some blister issues. Rough start, solid but certainly not dominating performance so far. You only dropped him one spot in that list, uh, in the in the top 100 list.
2: I mean, he's still a stud. You know, the expectations for some of these guys are just so out of whack. You know, you heard people every year in spring training, you hear just ridiculous things being said, you know, including, oh, man, Mackenzie Gore might be the best pitcher the Potters have, major league roster included. You know, last year it was Lucas Ersig of the Brewers. He could be in a big league lineup right now. Well, and guess what? He goes out into A-ball and hits 230. I mean, yeah. I think a lot of times it's more just unrealistic expectations on these players. And I, Mackenzie Gore has had an excellent year. He's come back from his blisters, and since then his ERA has been around two. He's holding opponents to a 180 average with, a, I believe, a sub-500 OPS. He's been great. He's done everything. But because people, you know, no no actual evaluator said he was Clayton Kershaw, but I think people saw a high leg kick and some athleticism and got really overly excited about it. He's a really good pitcher who's having a really good year at an age appropriate level, but he's a high school draftee who played really bad competition in Eastern North and in, in the state of North Carolina, which, you know, in the lower divisions of it, he has things to work on. He's doing really, really well for himself. He's still a potential frontline starter. Cole Hamels is still the comp. Nothing's changed. I think people just had expectations that were a little bit crazy to coming out of spring training.
1: Exactly. Gotcha. Well, so Cal Quantrill is kind of the opposite side of that coin. He's struggled since he was drafted, uh, but he just earned a promotion to AAA. Um, do you see any signs outside of his stat line that suggest that he might be um, bouncing back toward the end of this year and into next year?
2: Uh, we're we're going to find out because he started showing you those signs in June where you said, okay. He's figuring out, he's turning a quarter. If you just take out his June stat line, it's pretty darn good. And then he took a step back in July. So Cal Quantrill, you know, you talk to evaluators and, and you watch him pitch and he still shows you those flashes of mid to front of the rotation stuff, durability, athleticism. And then there's two steps back. And I think right now, you know, putting him up in El Paso was definitely a little bit of a aggra- a little aggressive, you know, a guy whose fastball command has had issues putting him in a place where if he misses a spot, it's going to be going to be trouble. But look, there's real stuff there. The slider has jumped forward. The changeups regressed a little bit, but that just means it's regressed from plus plus to plus. It's still a really good pitch. So I, I think that Cal Quantrill, it's really just a matter of fastball command, consistency in his delivery, staying on top of his fastball, getting it downhill, pitching inside with it. It's a lot of things that are fixable. There's still the ingredients there. But now he has, has to actually you know, show that he can fix them.
1: Absolutely. So Quantrill is, uh, is joining uh, Jacob Nix in El Paso. He got the call last week to go up, and he just made his first start in El Paso. Um, what do you see about him that has him turning a corner this season?
2: Well, Jacob Nix has always had absolutely disgusting stuff. He went his stuff (laughs) up with Cal Cal Quantrols, and it's it's as good if not better. You know, he actually – he was the guy – Two years ago, that averaged the highest fastball velocity in the Padres system, not Anderson Espinosa when he was healthy, not Quantrill after he was drafted. You know, Nix is the guy who has the fastball velocity. He can hold it to late innings. His curveball, when it's right, is arguably the best in the system, at least it's in the conversation. The biggest thing with him was always fastball command. He would just get too much the to plate. So you didn't see the strikeout numbers commensurate with the stuff. Again, that's just something that comes with time, development, repetitions. Um, Nix has also had a run of injuries that have limited his innings throughout the years. But look, when he's come, since he's come back this year from this year's groin strain, um, he's been pretty impressive. So there's, there's a number of evaluators out there who feel that Jacob Nix is a better pitching prospect than Cal Quantrill and has been for a year um you know it's just a matter of him staying healthy enough to show that but this year since he's come off he's he's looked the part and i would not be surprised if he's in the Padres' rotation and getting a few starts here in september
0: excellent uh josh Naylor dropped several spots is that because they moved him to the outfield or why did he drop so far
2: Um, I mean, he didn't really drop that much. He was, he never, he was always kind of mid eighties and then I think he might've moved to 92 and it's more reflection of other players moving up than anything about him dropping down. I mean, Naylor is a, is a very good hitter. Um, but again, he's a well below average defensive outfielder. Uh, we knew that coming in, he, he's a good athlete for his size. He moves a little better than you'd think based on just his, you know, the visuals of him. But, um, the range isn't there. He he uncorked some wild throws. And look, this is his first time in his life playing the outfield and, and he looks it sometimes. And some of that can be fixed with reps. But you see other bigger guys who were first baseman that moved to left field, you know, Reese Hoskins, Dominic Smith, yeah. they both got way, way leaner in order to do it. They both dropped, you know, 20, 30 pounds. So, you know, for Josh Naylor to really be viable as a major league left fielder, there's gonna have to be a significant weight loss there. Uh, and at first base, uh, last year there were some good reports. This year the reports have been he's regressed a little bit, which, again, he gets a little older, gets a little bigger, things start to slow down. It can be problematic. So uh, there's a couple of evaluators out there who think he's a pure DH bat only. Now, he can do that. He's starting to get to his power more. He controls the strike zone well. There's big raw power there. But on the whole... You know, he's there because he can hit, and you think you can trade him to an American League team and let him hit as a DH. In terms of what he'll be for the podcast, Uh it's, it's a little iffy right now what that future is. Guys, I need to drop out here. Um, Kyle, thanks for
1: joining us today. Donovan, I'll catch up with you soon. All right, Roy, I'll call you later. All
0: right, bye. I, yeah, it's, uh, Josh Naylor is our, um, is our pledge for the, the DH and the NL. <laughs> but, that, yeah, but, but that's really it. Um, it's got to be tough wrecking a guy like Chris Paddock, who came back from Tommy John and dominated high A and now is dominating double A. Um, and he only moved up eight spots. What are your words on uh, on Paddock?
2: The biggest thing with Chris Paddock that a lot of evaluators say as good as he's been and as impressive as he's been is they really see him as a number three, four, five starter. Back rotation to mid-rotation tops is twofold. The first is his fastball, it's kind of, the words of one pro scouting director, a bit of a magic fastball. It's really just 90-93. He can get back for 95-96 when he wants it, okay. but it has some late movement, some late life that helps it play up. So it's a good pitch, but there's an expectation that maybe when he starts facing Upper level hitters, they might be on it a little bit more, um, but the biggest thing is the breaking ball. He's got this, you know, devastating changeup, good fastball. That that you know, it should play in the major league. It just might not be an elite fastball, but it should, yeah. it'll play. Um, the lack of a breaking ball is is very pronounced. And if you go and look at the number of right handed starters in the major leagues who don't have much of a, anything, they can really spin. There's not a great track record there. Um, you know, and the guys who have made it work, like the Felix Hernandez's of the world, well, yeah. Felix was throwing 97 when yeah. he was young. So yeah. I think right now um, there's, there's, look, he's a really good pitcher. He will be pitching in the Potters rotation, you know, probably next year and has a chance to be a, a nice piece of their rotation moving forward. That's why we have him ranked as one of the top, you know, 60, 70 prospects in baseball. But just the lack of breaking ball in particular really prevents him from projecting as a as a you know number one, number two, and, and even a potentially a number three starter in some evaluators' eyes.
0: Yeah, I've I've seen the curveball. It's a really right now it's just a show me curveball. Um he does get it over strikes, and uh I, I've read in, in interviews with him. He knows he needs to develop that third pitch to be an you know, effective uh front of the line starter in the major leagues. Um and he's young, he's just coming back from Tommy John, so he, he has plenty of time to figure it out.
2: Well, and, he, and here's the interesting, and here's the interesting part of that. So, so you mentioned him knowing he needs the curveball, and you're right; he's very open about it. But the report on Paddock has been that for a while now. That was the report on him out of high school. That was report on him after his first year with the uh, after he got drafted and his first year in the Marlins system. That was the report on him when the Poggers, you know, first acquired him. So, we've known this for many years now, and the fact that it hasn't happened. Obviously, Tommy John affects that, and having a 21-month layoff affects that significantly. But there's actually a sense that what will eventually need to happen, because there's not a ton of faith the curveball can ever really get there, there's a sense that after, as he moves farther away from Tommy John, that maybe he's going to learn a slider. Because ultimately, there's an expectation that You know, if the curveball's not there, okay, try and teach him a slider, but you don't want to do that so fresh off of Tommy John. You want to give that a little time.
0: Absolutely. Uh, What caused Logan Allen to to climb so far up the list? He's having a really solid year uh, as a 21-year-old in double A.
2: Well, he leads the Texas League in strikeouts as a 21-year-old in double-A. That'll get you up on the list. You know, Logan Allen. But the thing is, you know, Logan Allen has never not ranked highly on these lit on our prospect list. Coming into the season, he ranked as the number eight prospect in the Padres system ahead of a lot of these guys that everyone got so excited about. And it's funny, I remember a couple people were like, Logan Allen's there, you know, thinking he's not deserving to be there. Logan Allen, I'm just going to say this. If we look back five years from now, And of that top group of Potters pitching prospects, you know, Gore, Morahone, Baez, Paddock, Allen. If Logan Allen's the one that ends up having the best big league career out of all of them, I would not be surprised. Gore and Morahone have some injury issues. Baez has taken a step back. Paddock's a TJ guy without a breaking ball. Like, all these guys have potential, but they all have red flags. Logan Allen, he's the guy that has probably the three-pitch combination combined with just some of that proven durability as good as any of these guys, fastball, breaking ball, the changeup. He's, you know, they've made him more pitch efficient. He's pumping out, you know, six, seven inning starts regularly. Sometimes he's getting into the eighth. He's missing bats at the the upper levels when he, you know, theoretically he would have been a a junior in college this year. Yeah. This is a really, really good left-handed pitcher. Padres fans should feel, I think, a little more excited about than they do.
0: We, and some of us do, and but he's not known by everyone. Uh, I caught his last start against the against the Hooks, and uh, he gave up. I think he gave up a run, several hits in the first inning, uh, and he labored through that first inning. But it seemed like when he got through it and went to the second and moved on, it, it was just a different pitcher. He switched it to another gear, with sequencing, with command, and just dominated the rest of the game
2: yeah i mean the big thing with logan allen has always been kind of you know consistency of command in the zone sometimes he get a little wild in the zone that was always kind of a knock on him but again a lot of this comes with reps he's a young kid he's showing you know bat missing stuff and and i think as you continue to watch him grow uh he has a very good chance to be you know in the potter's rotation the next time they're good and, and contending for a playoff spot
0: yeah we're we're uh, we're really excited about him. Hey, does Luis Urias uh, slow start lack of power keep him so low down the list? It seems with the elite bat, he would be a little bit higher than. Uh, Where do we have him at? Thirty two. Well, we've
2: got him as as one of the top 30, 30 some odd prospects in baseball. That's pretty high up on the list. Uh, that's a that's a, a re- I mean, keep in mind, there's thousands of prospects. That's to be number thirty is is pretty elite. Um, you know, people need to stop focusing on his power. He's not a power hitter. His swing is not that of a power hitter. You know, again, he's best if he hits 310 with a 400 on base and six home runs. That's a better player than hitting 250 with a 330 on base, but 12 to 14 home runs. This is not a home run swing. It should not ever be a home run swing. Um, He should be someone that contends for batting titles and plays above average defense at second base and hits the two hole in the Padres order right now, in part because, you know, there's been an overemphasis on power. His leg kick is getting bigger and more unwieldy. Now he added it in 2016. It was fine. It was straightforward. Uh, last year in Double A, he he got big with it sometimes, but for the most part, he kept it under control. This year, if you watch him, there's a lot of swings. That leg kick instead of ending back towards the pitcher, he's stepping, he's stepping into the space dugout, and it's you know c- cutting off his swing.
0: Absolutely, so right he looks now, like a sumo wrestler when he drops that second foot down, which is making him late.
2: It's making him late, it's taking him off balance, and, and in some ways it's a testament to how good of a hitter he is. They like say in 272 with a 380 on base as a 21-year-old in Triple A with a leg kick that's that's getting too big and too unwieldy. So I think it's just a matter of, you know, the Padres, you know, sitting down with him, shortening it up, finding, you know, finding that middle ground between, okay, yes when you had that leg kick a little bit early on, it did add some extra thump and some extra base power and that was a good thing. But we need to find that as opposed to what he's doing now. So uh, there's some things to work on there and that's part of it. But again, I mean the fact that he's the number thirty some on prospect in baseball, that's that's not low in any way, shape, or form. I think I think some sometimes people lose perspective on just how many minor leaguers there are. If you're anywhere in the top hundred uh, Real, if you're in the top 200, that's that's an incredible testament to your talent.
0: Absolutely. And I, you know, I, for one, am in the opinion that maybe he can even spend uh, a couple months in the major leagues uh, shoring up shortstop while we wait for Tatis to come up. Just to cover it for a little bit, not maybe being the everyday starting shortstop, but I think he can hold his own there until uh, Fernando is ready to come up.
2: Yeah, and Luis Arias has always been a guy who can play shortstop in a pinch uh, and he's gotten more reps there whereas with Team Mexico in the World Baseball Classic Double A last year and Triple A this year there's no question, he can he can handle himself there I think ultimately, again, what's going to make him, you know, the above average everyday major leaguer um, is, is his bat first and foremost. So there's an argument to be made. The best thing for the Padres to do would be to bring him up, to let him just play second so he doesn't have to worry about all the things that come with being a big league shortstop and just let him play his natural position and worry about making the offensive adjustments. But depending on, you know, the, the overall team's outlook and the health and who's, you know, who's doing what and when and where, you know, he he can slide over there as needed, but but I do think there's a strong argument to be made to just let him play second, let him deal with the offensive adjustments without throwing shortstop shortstop at him at the same time.
0: Absolutely, and uh, you know, guys like Luis Urias, they can be table setters. Absolutely, you know, just get on base and then have the big bats drive him in. Um, Adrian Morahon, can you give us some thoughts on him? I, he just left last night's game with a, I think it was a biceps injury, but uh, he was passed by a few guys in your rankings.
2: No, I mean, the guys that passed him are all guys in double-A, triple-A that are healthy and throwing well. Uh, I mean, Euter Morajone shows you tremendous stuff. We've seen his stuff jump two two years in a row now. Uh, The biggest thing this year was the curveball. You know, last year he didn't quite get the release point down. His arm was a little late on it sometimes. And even at the beginning of this year, it took a little bit. But once mid-May hit, he started hitting it, and it was just absolutely disgusting. Um, so you see the fastball tick up. You see the curveball become a, a really good pitch for him. He's got the two changeups, but even when he signed out of Cuba, you know Ben Badler, our, our international guru at Baseball America, made the point that he's a lot of times he's struggled to you know pitch pitch uh, you know more than a handful of innings a season. Even though he'll go deep into certain games, right. when you looked back at the total innings he threw over the course of a year, it was always pretty light. And there are some real concerns about his durability. And going into this year, you know, it looks like, hey, it's working, it's working, it's working. And then, boom, flexor soreness. And he hasn't pitched since the Cal League All-Star break. He had a rehab assignment. Um, and I think that's the big thing with him. You know, we can talk all we want about a guy's tool. If a guy can't stay on the mound, it doesn't matter. You know, at the end of the day, the top 100 is predicting, you know, who's going to be the th- a hundred best major leaguers. It's not an upside ranking. It's who will be the hundred best major leaguers. And if you can't stay on the mound for more than 70, 80 innings a season, you know, you're not one of the hundred best starting major leaguers. So I think the fact that Adrian Morhone is still a top 25 prospect in our rankings is an incredible testament to how good of a pitcher his, he can be and how good his stuff is. Um, despite that. But if he continues to struggle to get past the 70, 80 inning mark, you'll see it drop no matter how much the stuff jumps. Because if you're going to start in the big leagues, you got to be able to take the ball every fifth day over, you know, 30 yeah. starts, even 25 starts. And, and right now he's struggled to do that.
0: Uh, I know. I just I want to see that kid succeed so, so much. You know, I've got a couple of his starts, uh, you know, up in, up in Lake Elsinore. And you just, you see that potential there to just be filthy. And you know Absolutely. having the, the the step back last night with the, I think the bicep uh, injury, uh, it's just as frustrating as a Padre fan to go like yeah. Um, anyways, it, um, Michelle Bias had had a pretty steep fall on the list. Uh, what have you seen that caused his stock to drop?
2: Uh, well, his fastball went from ninety four ninety eight to ninety ninety four. Um, his breaking balls have been not good, and his changeup's been fine. You know, again, the difference, I mean, that's, that's again, the difference between 94-98 with potential above-average curveball and slider and a nasty changeup. All of a sudden it becomes 90-94 with a, a not very good breaking ball and uh, just an okay changeup. You're going to drop, but I will say there are times he comes out of it. I remember seeing a couple of his starts where it almost looked like he wasn't loose the first few innings, and then all of a sudden the fifth or sixth rolls around, and there you see a 96, and there you see a 97, and he rises up in big spots. So he still shows it to you, Um, but again, it's a matter of being able to do it consistently. You know, He's a really big guy, and, and those big guys, it takes a lot to get their mechanics in order. Um, you know, you just watched him last year to this year, and everything's a little bit stiffer. The arm speeds a little bit slower. He's a little more offline in his delivery. All that being said, there's still a sense that he's a mechanical tweak away from finding all that elite stuff again. Yeah, so this is still someone that that I think, you know when the prospect handbook comes out, you'll see a very high grade on him. It's just also a very high risk because of his height because, the trend downward. And the other thing with him, too, is it's not like this is someone who was really highly desired. He struggled in Cuba a lot. You know, teams didn't want to sign him on July 2nd. He, he was a bit of a late bloomer. If anything, his his good year last year was almost the anomaly. It's not like he has a big track record of success. So again, personally, I think it's still in there. Shows it to you in flashes. It would not surprise me if Michelle Baez a year from now is back up in the top 50 of this list and ends up being the Padres number two starter long-term. But just given what he has shown evaluators right now, uh, there, there's not, you know there's some who even say he's going to be a reliever because two pitches with bad mechanics doesn't hold up. innings. I'm not going to go that far. I still think he could be a good starter, but the trend line is not going the way you want it to. Uh,
0: yeah. And he had that back injury in the beginning of the year. So I, I think that, that might be a part of the uh, taking a while for him to get loose until later on in the game.
2: You know, I thought the same, but when I talked to the Padres, they insist that the back injury was very, very minor, and they think they put a lot more of it on just his mechanics have regressed a little bit, he's throwing across his body more. So we'll see. But you're right. When I saw it, it was like, "That's what I suspected." But the Padres insist that that has nothing to do with it. Yeah, and it's never as easy as what you really think, and. And the organization's always
0: know way more than, you know, the average Padre fan that just, you know, hears the injuries and sees the results. And, uh, uh, yeah, but we're, we're once another, another one of these guys. Just the system is just so stuck. You know, Kyle, I, I'm, I'm a native San Diegan, born and raised here. I only really follow baseball. And I only, you know, and I've been, you know, I'm a Padre fan. And, really, it has been amazing how much talent uh, there is in the system. And, how long um, the window could be if uh, if this talent continues to develop throughout the year, uh, throughout the years, and just keeps feeding these guys into our system, uh, it's really uh, a testament to the work of the front office and AJ Peller and his staff. And uh, you know, I, I, I almost put you know from from a guy who loved Kevin Towers and the way he can wheel and deal, put together a, a lineup. Um, I can absolutely adjust saintly, or, you know, make A.J. Preller a saint for what he's done to the minor league system. Uh, with that being said, uh, who was on the bubble, and how does Baseball America track the performances of prospects like, like say, Luis Patino or Osvaldo Hernandez uh, and Hudson
2: Potts? I mean, we track them all. I mean, we go out and see these guys. We get constant reports on these guys. We know we know all of them, top to bottom. Uh, I'm the guy who does the pottery system as, you know, the native uh, San Diegan as well, who covered the big league team and the Cal League for a number of years. So we've got all these guys. I mean, Potts has really, really improved uh, in every, every aspect of his game. His defense has taken a big step forward. He hits velocity. He's shored up some of the holes in his swing. Uh, he's someone that uh, is very, very talented and, and really uh, getting a lot of positive reviews. Patino's been absolutely filthy. Um, obviously, it's, it's been two months, and you want to see him do it over a longer period of time, but everything he's shown you now is dominant. You know, Osvaldo Hernandez is kind of that, that junk baller, uh, back of the rotation, who just throws the kitchen sink at you, has eight different pitches. Uh, you know, to give a pot example, remember remember Josh Banks a few years ago, who would have like eight different pitches, you know, right-hander? Exactly. Oswaldo Hernandez that, that does a lot of the same type of stuff. Now i see he's... Younger and he's in the minors, and maybe there's more growth there. Josh Banks, you know, proved to not be much more than a fill-in type. But um, yeah, I mean, so, so again, there's sort of a variety of guys uh, in terms of, you know, the types of pitchers they are: right-handers, left-handers, potential stars, potential relievers, you know, on the position side. It's it's much lighter than on the pitching side, but you know, there's still some interesting potential impact bats in there, and Hudson Potts has put himself into that conversation.
0: Absolutely, you know, and you look at Luis Patino, and, and you see a right-handed Mackenzie Gore. With that high leg kick and just bulldog mentality, um, I'm a big Hudson Potts fan. I, I really think he's going to be, uh, if he continues on this trajectory, I mean, at 19, doing so well in the high A, uh, in, the Cali, in, in the Cali League, and we'll see how it goes once he, he moves up to uh, the Texas League, but I really think Hudson Potts could be potentially our third baseman of the future and could be the third baseman when we make a run. Uh, I would say maybe 21-22. 21 the earliest maybe 22 we'd probably start seeing him what do you think
2: uh, i mean he's in high this year you know he's 19 he's a young guy you know it's interesting we've seen a lot of teams now are not shy to push guys and the potters especially i mean if he opens up in double a next year i mean the potters again have not been shy about being aggressive i if he keeps on the on the upward trend he's on I wouldn't be shocked if we get a get a first look at him as, as a September call-up uh, at the end of next season, but I think 2020 is probably the safer, safer uh, ETA.
0: Well, well, thanks so much, Kyle. I really appreciate you coming on and uh, taking the time mm-hmm. and uh, giving us a real good look. In our second interview on Friars on the Farm, um, we really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much.
2: My pleasure. Anytime.
0: And that was, that was uh, Baseball America's Kyle Glazer. I really, he was a good get. He's a good guy.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Kyle, for coming on our show. I wish I could have stuck around the whole time, but I uh, I ducked out from work for a few minutes. Don't tell my boss to participate in that.
0: No, and I was going to say you were neck deep in marriage prep no uh, no and that's the reason why we had to do it on monday is because wednesday thursday well now i have to work but um wednesday and thursday you had to you had family stuff
1: we've we've just been so busy with all kinds of things it's been it's 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 a blessing and a curse having so much going on in our lives
0: a- absolutely so we really appreciate him coming on and uh, we'll have him come on again uh, let's move on to a little bit of the uh, we have a little bit for each affiliate here uh, this last Friday Francis coming here his first homer as a Padre prospect yes
1: <clears throat> he's been killing it too
0: absolutely
1: I, I never watched much video of him I mean I saw a little bit but now that I've had a chance to see him a little bit and the guy's got bat speed that yeah. thing just that bat just comes flipping through and he can get at anything he can reach any part of the zone yeah. I can see how there's maybe a little bit of Vlad Guerrero in there that he knows that he can hit anything, so he kind of goes after it. So that's where they're trying to rein him in a little bit, command the strike zone a little bit better.
0: A little more discipline. And that's a great thing about, God. There's so many people that are are posting. Tex Padre, uh, Josh is is um yeah, is posting. 3M. Purple 3M, they're all. They're, he watches. You know, he tapes the games and then he'll he'll post uh, snippets of at bats. And the Tex Padre, God, the EBT has got themselves a, a a just a. He's just a beast. Yeah, I, I really. I mean, like, he drove. Four hundred miles one night to go to one game to watch really? the Double A team. Wow! Oh, he went from El Paso to somewhere in mid- like Midland, Texas, to uh, uh to to watch a Triple A game, and then went and saw a Double A game with Logan Allen. Um, and he he's he's doing it for for uh, for James Cocker with EBT. Well, those
1: guys are an asset to the Padres Twitter community.
0: And I and I appreciate what it, and I
1: love that kind of stuff because
0: it it. It gets everyone excited. You know, I, I have the MLB TV, TV package. Not everyone does. And not everyone can afford it. It's 12 bucks a month. And and so, to, you know, I have people post those videos, Um, it, I think it draws us closer. I think we then can all draw our own conclusions mm-hmm. uh, on how high Luis Udias' leg kick is or how short it should be. Exactly what... Oh, um, man, he is canon. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Dude, there, there, he threw out a runner at second base, and oh my God, the guy's got a laser. And it, it <laughs> reminds me of Christian Bethencourt a little bit. Just the pure, the, the speed that that ball comes out, that he pops up so fast too. That's Bethencourt. His footwork looked a little bit slow, and then the ball would explode out of his hand.
0: Absolutely. Where
1: at Mejia, he's just—it's just boom. It's like a be. rifle. I love
0: it. Um, and speaking of Mejia, he's hitting 378, uh, 455,
1: and a 514, in, what, 10 games, I think. Yeah, it's a—it's a small sample size but it's right in line with what he's been doing all year.
0: Absolutely. And unfortunately Luis Urias will be he's on the verge of hitting his first 100 strikeout season. First as a pro and you're mm. in AAA at 21.
1: Yeah. I'll take that. Well, I took a look at his stats and he's his strikeout rate has actually been increasing every month this year. So I watching him and we all want him to come up right. and I've kind of been waiting for things to to flatten out to normalize. Yeah, See that strikeout rate dip a little bit, the batting average start to bump back up that says okay, he's adjusted he's ready so i could see why they may want to hold him back but at the same time i i maybe it's just me being selfish i want him up i want to see him with with major league hit pitching and see what he can do
0: yeah and then he'll be forced to make that change because kyle talked about it that leg kick is high he's uh, you know he looks like a sumo wrestler yeah when he comes down with that second foot which is keeping him off balance Mm -hmm. which is which is making him late Mm -hmm. and and you can get away with that and double a and and, you know and like kyle said it's a testament to what a great hitter he is to be hitting so well at least for average um with that high leg kick um
1: i wonder if he's trying to get the ball in the air more as well
0: I, I really i i think i don't know if he read his own press or if the organization wants him to do that uh to bring that power and kyle said it and i i believe we don't need him to hit home runs no. we want that kid to get on base yeah he's gonna be the table setter mm-hmm. he's a hitter top of the lineup, um, you know, not, definitely a not first, you know, a second or a third. I could uh, see him being
1: a, a leadoff hitter. You don't need to be the classical, you know, whatever Willie Mays Hayes right. type of hitter to be a leadoff hitter. You just need to get on base.
0: Particularly if Margot starts showing a little more power gap mm-hmm. to gap hitting. Yeah, speed um, isn't
1: a part of the game like it used to be. Right. You get a guy on, get him to second base, and then you can drive him in with a single.
0: Yeah, once he calms down and starts getting that, you know, more walks to, uh, you know, strikeout ratio, hopefully it'll, that'll come back maybe after some uh, adjustments. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. um. So
1: his his middle infield partner I have noticed that Javier Guerra Javier Guerra he wants to be called has ticked up a little bit in batting average he started to hit a little bit more I wonder if he's feeling some squeeze we were talking about the roster space. He's on yeah. the forty-man roster. He is, and I could see him being somebody that gets designated for assignment to open up that space. He he had his little <laughs> cup of coffee earlier this year, right. and he hasn't done a whole lot to show that he's more than a glove-only shortstop. Exactly. He's been striking out what forty percent of the time in AAA.
0: It's it's pretty it's pretty bad, and yeah. he has been hitting well lately. And I don't, I, you know, I I want to think that. Um, I don't know if you like, if the pressure's on in baseball, you you can't have the pressure on you. I I, I don't know, maybe if he's starting to listen to the coaches and maybe be more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um. But I would think that if you put more pressure on yourself playing, you know, when you're trying harder, you're not doing any better. No, you got to get out of your um, own way. He could just be, and right now, Gabriel Arias, same thing in, in Fort Wayne. He's hitting a ton right now. Yes. And he's a notorious 220 hitter, maybe 215. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's hit a, f- a couple home runs. He's hitting for power. Um, maybe it's just cycling in that time. Maybe some of those guys in other organizations are coming up and he's seeing a little lesser quality pitching than maybe, mm-hmm. uh, I don't I, True. Don't, know. I yeah. don't know. Maybe he, they, he could
1: just be getting lucky
0: because i don't certainly want to go like woohoo here we go he's starting to hit again you know or even gable Arias, who's super young um we don't need to worry about him for another two years if he's not hitting mm-hmm. uh he should be a senior in high school but Javier definitely should be hitting at triple a if you want to be in the majors you need to hit yeah um so moving on down the moving on down the line you know we didn't talk anything about double a here um there is some bad news though Adrian Morajone departed from his game what was that Monday night no sorry Sunday uh, with tricep soreness in the top of the second inning Mm -hmm. and Kyle talked about it why he hasn't gone up higher is he can't stay healthy. He can't stay healthy. If you, if you yeah. pitch, if you can't pitch more than 80 innings, you're, gonna, you're not going to be, you know, a highly-touted prospect. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen it. Everyone's, you know, that has watched him pitch, it's there. It's really good. It's top, once again, it's top of the lineup uh, stuff.
1: They're putting him right there with Gore. Like, he may be the best left-handed pitcher in the in the organization. I've heard scouts and analysts say that.
0: Absolutely. And having that success in in A-ball or, or in high A, you know, in the Cal, league on top of that um, it really hurts to see him get hurt it does and um, but once again with him getting hurt I think Aaron Lesher came up um, to to fill his hole in in a ball would when someone else goes down as tough as that is Build the swallow it gives other people opportunity yes and and we we're still talking about guys in low a we're still talking about guys in advanced a um that we still have more talent coming mm-hmm. and there's talent that'll rise and um it, it's just ah uh, it's just more or I said you know I said it on the interview I'm like oh I really want him to do really want him to just stay healthy uh because we, we we gave him a lot of money we gave him like nine million dollars and um it's he's still young but you know you want that consistency of a full season pitching
1: well maybe this the struggles with with health is going to give him a little bit more motivation to get his training regimen lined up this yeah. offseason yeah. I, I I don't know what the guy, you know what kind of shape he's in or anything like that but that's where you hear about somebody that struggles with injury and then they go and they figure out how to get themselves healthy, how to get their body balanced out right. and then they can finally come back and, and perform but I like what you were saying about calling somebody up and then giving them an opportunity um, we were talking about Jacob Nix earlier and that made me think of him because last year he came up and made a couple postseason appearances with El Paso He was bumped up, put under the spotlight, and he excelled. And so it's like, here, here's a taste. Of what the next level is, and see what you got. Maybe, and if if you get roughed up, okay, take a bunch of notes, go back to work, come yeah. on back.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Pedro Avila, he he piggybacked on that uh, on that game. Actually, came in a little bit earlier than he was supposed to. Uh, he had ten strikeouts of four innings. So it's one of the, you know Pedro Avila being Pedro Avila when Pedro Avila is Pedro Avila. He's so hot and cold. He's so hot and cold. Um, but once again, he's another guy that's young. He's he's twenty one, maybe twenty two. I know he's yeah, not 23. I think he's a little older than that. I think he's 22. Um, he has a 12 to 10 strikeout to walk ratio and a 20, and 2200 uh, two thirds innings. He's 21 years old. Has 97 there you go. 97 strikeouts and 33 uh, 36 uh, walks and 88 innings. So he's young for his level. He's totally young he's for his level. He's the guy that we
1: got back for Derek Norris. <laughs>
0: Right, I love that. God, you you know, (laughs) he's not even in ball right now. I think he's playing some independent league. Independent league, league, yeah. Independent league as a novelty.
1: Yeah, well, you know, when you make bad press the way that he did, and you don't do the things you need to do to make it right. Yeah, you know,
0: and 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 you
1: don't have a hundred mile an hour fastball as a reliever, Roberto Osuna. Um,
0: You know, and, and. not to get on the major league talk, but to and what I heard about Norris was is like he wasn't a good teammate, yeah. Like I heard he was not helpful. Um, in a time when veterans come in and they grab those young guys and they show them the ropes, mm-hmm. he wouldn't let he wouldn't show anyone. I can't remember who well, was Austin
1: his... Hedges got called up exactly. That was the was that 2016? Yeah, when Hedge, when Bud Black let him rot on the bench. And I figured, okay, he's got a half season to hang out with the catchers, the coaches, the pitchers, he can learn, he can absorb all of this. But if you're a veteran, catch- or isn't showing you? Hey, let me show you how I prepare.
0: Right. What's he going to learn, really? Right. Well, just a testament the kind of person he is, and and that it. Not, You're talking about Norris. Not talking about Norris. is yeah. just not like brooding wasn't, you know, wasn't a part of the clubhouse. And and fine, mm-hmm. get him out of there. I don't want that guy in my in my clubhouse. No. I don't want him on my team. No. Um, you know, it, it, to go a little bit further with that, and guys like you know, I hate to say it, but Matt Kemp was like, as a big superstar as he was, you would think he'd be relaxed, he'd have fun, he'd be able to joke with the guys. But every time I saw that guy at the game, he was always stretching by himself. Mm. And and I think one of the knocks on him again was just like he wasn't a part of the team he, he was just he was Matt Kemp yeah. he was a big fish in a little town and I heard somewhere on the radio or somewhere um, that he, he didn't like being a Padre
1: oh I'm sure he didn't Right after you've been Mr. Hollywood for all those years and then come down here to San Diego uh, yeah kick, Matt, kick. Matt Kemp can go be the bell bitch of the week every week right um, kick but, rocks but bro a, th- a, th- a point that you that came to mind was so Derek Norris came to us from the A's he had been an all star while he was with the A's yeah he was Platoon mates was Stephen Vogt that year. So then when San Diego hosted the All-Star game, who was the A's representative in that game? But it was Steven Vogt. Oh. So that's more of a testament to the quality of a job that Vogt did. I yeah. guess that tells you that he was the leader of those two. So if you've got a strong number one, then your platoon mate can just do whatever. As long as he can get on base and you know, catch his 40% of the games, he'll look good on the stat lines. Yeah. But there's so much more that goes into being a good catcher. I mean, They really are. They should be one of the leaders of the of the team
0: right right and being the of well, the captain on the field so yeah. uh, our field general no yes. that's a quarterback sorry wrong wrong sport let's
1: move on yes Luis Patino in Fort Wayne <laughs> threw five innings and no hit ball uh, the sixth inning wasn't as good he gave up two two runs one earned on three hits um but he's been electric and it's every time he comes up it seems like he throws a gem so he's got a one point eight two ERA with fifty eight strikeouts and forty one innings or forty nine point and a third inning so far this year. I he's so young but yeah. is he gonna are they gonna push him because you figure that these guys that are coming up to the majors they're opening up vacancies behind them
0: mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we
1: might is there's a chance we might see Patino in Lake Elsinore by the end of the year
0: absolutely and, and we we talked about that in the article that we read last night from Emily Walden uh, like the organization is gonna let him dictate how much he goes I really think it, what we see in Luis Patino is what we hope to get out of McKenzie Gore just that high leg kick dominating stuff mm-hmm. um well, right now we're getting it from a right-hander, you know, and, and it's, um, that's ever, better knock on
1: Mackenzie. You ever of, heard the phrase, a shower, not a grower? Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean to get dirty like that, but Gore came as a relatively polished product. And so now they're trying to kind of refine him, and he's got you know a little bit of health, whatever, and he's had a little bit of struggles. Patino came, and he was nobody. Mm. He was a skinny little kid. Right. And now, he, all of a sudden, he's just taken off in front of our eyes. Well, and,
0: and, and Kyle mentioned that in, in the interview, was he was a kid, Gore. Mackenzie Gore was a big fish in a little pond. Yeah, so um, he was pitching
1: for, for in North Carolina for a lower division school.
0: Right. So the stuff is there. I mean, the velocity and the fastball, the curveball, I mean, there's no doubt there's there's clay there to really mold into a number one starter, but it ain't showing yet. Okay. Um, and, and, and so, and, and we're getting at that at a Patino, who we paid $125,000 for. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. We got him for a bucket of balls. Mm-hmm. Um, And that's just a testament. I, you know, that's, what do you do? That's scouting. That's scouting. That's luck. what when like we said at last 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 uh, last episode was he was throwing mid eighties. Yeah, he wasn't even upper eighties. Skinny little hundred and
1: fifty pound kid. Right. He's not tall. He doesn't have the big frame. It, so the Padres are limited to three hundred thousand dollars maximum to spend on any player. That means that they're not up for international free yeah. agent signings. So that means that they're not going to be able to go after the Victor Victor Mesas that are going to draw yeah. two three million dollar signing bonuses. But him Urias was signed for uh,
0: two. Some it was like they had, and it was the old style he had to uh-huh. pay the, uh, the the Red the red Devils. The Red, yeah. The Mexico City Red Devils, uh-huh. their team.
1: Yeah, but that goes to show that you can scout internationally. You don't have to be skimming that upper crust. Right. You can, if you have the right scouts that know where to look and what to look for, they can find these diamonds in the rough.
0: Well, and, you know, and then talking about the Mexico City Red Devils, it reminds me that Major League Baseball Severed their relationship with the Mexican League yes. because it's extortion. Yes, it's kind of like the signing, uh, the posting fee for mm-hmm. the Japanese League. You have to pay the team forty million dollars, then you have to sign the guy for another whatever.
1: Well, and there's so much stuff going on with the Mexican. I mean, that that league is so corrupt. It, it, I've I've heard people tell stories. You know, American players that go down there to play, and they're paid in paper bags full of cash. Right. and and then the team does well and what do you know there's an extra big bag sitting there for where's all this money coming from who knows and there's tons of gambling around those games yeah so there's and oh <laughs> my god there was a play there was a, a video that made the rounds a couple of weeks ago what was it was it the
0: Empire it was the umpire uh, yeah
1: yeah and it was was it? Was it a? Oh, it was. Whether, the batter swung. The pitch went right over the heart of the plate. He swung high. and he called the it a. The batter swung and the umpire never moved. Yeah. He called it a ball. Yeah. And then the 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 batter compelled the home plate umpire to to um, appeal to first base. And, and the a, first base umpire said safe.
0: Yeah. And everybody
1: just lost it. The pitcher was an American pitcher, and he just lost his mind. I mean, what in the world is going on right now? So both of those umpires were suspended for the remainder of the year. And then the other two umpires that were on the field also got fined for not... not, uh, Intervening
0: or... Yes. (laughs) oh wow I just went out a little bit that's Mexican
1: Mexican baseball so I can understand why Major League would want to sever their ties with that they must have been doing work behind the scenes to try to fix that before getting to that point exactly it kind of looked like it came out of nowhere to me
0: yeah um, but they so the, the you know it would they would get half that bonus so the money wouldn't even go to the player it wasn't like mm-hmm. it wasn't like the signing or the posting fee in Japan Japan where there are two separate payments yes like I buy you Roy for five hundred thousand dollars well three hundred and twenty five thousand of that goes to the team mm-hmm. and the player gets a quarter yeah you know um, and that's just bad so let's move and there on there
1: wasn't even a posting system right. for it right? it's just it was arbitrary numbers yeah yeah it's like the owner just walks in and takes their fistful of cash off the table yeah,
0: but I love that story of, of, of our scout that went down there had to drive to the middle of nowhere literally in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. Mexico and talk to the family uh, talk to his family and, and assured them like because I in the way I read this article was
1: it was a Dennis Lynn article yeah it, yeah, it was it,
0: they assured him like he was going to be okay like like he's going to the major you know he's going to a major league team mm-hmm. we're going to do this we're um, going to take care of you yeah which just really kind of goes back to like the corruptness that, that feel of Mexican league baseball just being rough yeah um and it's sad because i follow m- most of the league uh most of the mexican league teams on twitter and they're always posting great videos of, of, of players and that's where that one play came up uh but let's move on here wrap it up here real quick um tri-city this last thursday Angel Acevedo became the first tri-city pitcher to uh, make it through seven innings of work which is incredible because you don't really see that a lot in short season ball.
1: Yeah. Those guys are usually on pitch count limits and that kind of thing. Yeah.
0: Uh, two are runs. He has, a, he's keeping Midwest opponents to two sixteen average in 40 and two thirds innings. You know, that's, uh, probably going to see him up in Fort Wayne next year, maybe later this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is the time of the year with the movement of, um, all the players coming from AA double A up to triple A, triple A up to the big league club. Like mm-hmm. everyone, like we said, it's the choo choo. Everyone's moving up. Yeah. Um, and we'll finish up with this year's number one draft pick for us. Uh, number seven overall, Ryan Weathers uh, allowed only one earned run over four innings on one Sunday.
1: Unearned run. Unearned earned run.
0: Um, he retired nine of the last ten batters he faced and allowed only one ball to the outfield all night. There we go. That's a lot better
1: than his first outing. Yeah. So maybe they're again settling in those first game jitters. I know it's only the Arizona Summer League. I don't even. I don't know if there's fans in the seats outside of scouts, but right. still, it's a whole different environment after you're used to pitching in high school. So, again, one thing that came to mind, we're talking Tyson Ross and Jordan Lyles were allowed to just walk away. Uh, there was no compensation coming back. And people have said, well, couldn't they just take a lottery pick, you know, some 17-year-old Dominican infielder or something. Yeah. But there are two Arizona Summer League teams, two rosters that are full. The roster in the Dominican Summer League, I don't know if you've looked at their roster. 70 people? Is that how deep it is? I think it's
0: pretty deep. It's but like There at, are a
1: ton. All of the infielders that they have listed as quote-unquote infielder. All but one are shortstops, and the other guy is a six foot three third baseman. So, and the the amount of talent that's down there. Now, yeah. granted, these guys are incredibly raw, yeah. but there really isn't room unless they right. get somebody who's a high ceiling kind of a guy like Asturi Ruiz. So I'm I I've got to imagine that they were talking to teams about Ross and Lyles and trying to get some international pool money right. or trying to work something out, and it just wasn't there. I can't believe that anything was on the table and they allowed allowed him to just walk a yeah. week later
0: well and at work I, there's a couple of Padre fans at work and they're like man they didn't get nothing for Ross or that other guy I'm like we don't need anything like they're, what we would have gotten uh, best word Kevin Acey said gum gum it, uh-huh. it would have been just guys we would have thrown in the system for for Jordan Lylez we wouldn't have gotten anything that we don't already have no. 10 of
1: we would have gotten another um, the 5-5 five five guys brought up Dion Tansel that yeah. the Padres got back for Ryan Schimp. He's an organizational filler. Well, there is no organizational filler. There there isn't any. When you look up and down these rosters, all of these guys are talented guys. They all have some kind of a path to get to the major leagues if things work out right.
0: Right. And um, I lost my other point. Yeah, that's okay. (laughs) Well, you know, and I I kept explaining, like, we have 18-year-olds and 19-year-olds playing against 24-year-olds, and the 24-year-olds are on the age-appropriate level yeah you know and so like relax like mm-hmm. we're we're it's gonna be fine and uh it's funny i i i drove for um i drive for uber lift on uh, on my day off um i supplement my income keep my wife in the uh, in the in the lifestyle that she's accustomed to um and i was talking to a woman he had her young son there and he was maybe five or six and you know little billy who was a padre fan and uh just started little league and um i'd like you're gonna grow up you know i was telling the mother like your son's gonna grow up in the goal age of potentially Padre team. Mm-hmm. The next four, next five, next six years, uh, when this kid from five years old now to be nine, he's going to be seeing some fantastic team. And that's how you build a fan base. When you're a little kid and your hometown team is doing well, you're excited, and your parents are excited. He's like, she was, I'm going to take him to training this year. We've gone to a couple games. He loves it. Um, that's how you build a fan base, by having consistent years of of quality team. Mm-hmm. you know, And that's why we have home field advantage. Manage you know for the Cubs, for the Giants, for all the other teams that come to the uh, you know to Petco Park. I hate to bring into Major League stuff on on our podcast, but and I said this to to Kyle I was like, thank God for for AJ Preller and his staff because you know if if Udius doesn't work out, if Tatis doesn't work out, if, if Logan Allen doesn't work, none of these guys work out. There's still more coming. Yes, and um, it, it, it's it's the quality and quantity of of talent we have down in the minors that is going to keep us and it's going to keep us working for us. Us podcasting for several years to come. I certainly hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, can I be myself now? I don't know.
1: (laughs) All right, let the reins loose.
0: My name is Donovan Jones. You can find me at sd donovan. That's s d d o n a v a n on Twitter.
1: And I'm Roy Thomason. I'm zippy underscore tms on Twitter.
0: And. don't be afraid to go on iTunes and give us a give us a rating, plus or minus, negative or doesn't matter. Just give us a rating. Yeah. Uh. And and let me know what you think about the new voice.
1: Oh, I'm curious to hear what the feedback's gonna be.
0: Have a great day and go, Pod.